Well, hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless. I'm your pal, James Avramenko, back once again with a brand new episode with very special guest, musician, podcast host, fledgling journalist, and very good friend, Nathan Isles. Nathan and I discuss incrementalism in culture, how to touch your friends consensually, and what are the best classic video games that still hold up. All that and so much more. Nathan is an absolute joy and you're going to love this episode. So buckle up. It's time to lean back, get comfy, set your volume at a reasonable level, and enjoy my interview with the one and only Nathan Isles here on Friendless. Uh, this week on Friendless, I have returning guest Nathan Isles back once more to uh, to to. Give me a little update on uh, on uh, where he's been in life. Um, I've managed to see you once in person in, in Vancouver, but uh, but it's still you know this distance, man. This distance is killing me. Um, so let's. Why don't we start with how the fuck are you, man? I'm great and uh, happy 9/11 to you, good sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to all who celebrate. Yes. Um, <laughs> someone I've gotten that Norm Macdonald clip about six times today, which. I think it's very telling of my friend group. Have you seen that? I haven't. No. Which is it? What is this? He's on. It's on his talk show, and I mean, God bless him. Rest in peace. Right. But it's. Uh, I don't. I can't remember the context. But he just says nine eleven, and then it's dead silent, and then everyone just starts laughing for no reason because it's so uncomfortable. And it's Norm Macdonald. So even just the way he says it is yeah. just like nine eleven. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll be passing on the love. No, I'm good, man. I'm super stoked to be back. Um, yeah. Friendship. Yeah, that was a lovely day when we saw each other in Vancouver. I it slept. was. It was really nice. We went to yeah. like a gay bar. I think we had some yep. lunch. Right. Yep. Yep. That whole street in Vancouver is pretty sick. That's like Baby. that's like, yeah, that's like the queer central of Vancouver. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It houses uh some of my most favorite and some of my least favorite places to go uh in the city <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a magic little street. It's 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 strange actually. It's like it's getting kind of like from what i understand sections of it have been sort of like stratified a little bit um especially kind of post pandemic but um but it is still very much the hub and it's yeah it's the best best place in town that's kind of happening in a lot of queer spaces i find mm-hmm. i was talking to my partner about this like recently like um so i've been shooting a lot of live events through school so i'm doing like a photojournalism thing right now and yeah. um like i've been shooting a lot of drag shows and uh a lot of afab like folks you know doing drag that kind of is this in this intersection between like burlesque and drag and stuff mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. and uh the we just had calgary's own weird we have our own little weird pride parade in like september i don't know why but yeah. um, <laughs> they, they i think it's because it's i think the justification is it's really close to the stampede here like globally right. so yep. i don't know it's weird we have our own queer thing but yeah and like the parade was really fun but also very like you know synovis had a float and like <sighs> ATB financial, right? And like, yeah. it's very weird when like there's a crowd of like from a swingers club on a float, and then right after them is like engineers of Calgary. You know, yeah, it's yeah. it's very all, like, um, waving with their like their one little rainbow flag. That yeah, they, you know, yeah. When it's like no shit that like shitty conservative types are like, oh, kids are being exposed to like sexuality because like you know there was like a there was a bearers float with dudes in like BDSM gear, right? But it's really? like it's the banks that are out of place there, not them. Like this is Take their. Care. It's it's supposed to be a rebellious counterculture thing, and it's becoming very like Disney World. And I don't know if that's yeah. a net positive or not, but like I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on like yeah. I feel I, I feel like so many progressive things are being packaged and sold now, and I'm like yeah, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know? you know, I this is something I've been thinking a lot about actually recently. Is this idea of like you know, it's like oh god, I don't. I'm not by no means an expert in this. This is me more just musing on stuff, but it's like, you know, I think often about, and I've been talking about this on the show a little bit in recent recent weeks and months, is this like, you know, there was this like really, really uncomfortable conversation that was going on during the, you know, lockdowns of COVID where everyone was like, this is the first pandemic we've ever lived through. And it's like, no, if you were alive in the 80s, there was a pandemic that gone on, that went on. That fucking Fauci was in charge of and like that wasn't even the first pandemic he let get out of hand it's just that it was killing predominantly gay people and so um no one gave a shit you know and um and what's happened in the last couple of years every you know there's all this conservative dog whistle talking about how like everything's gayer now and everything's you know oh why do you have to shove it down my throat all oh, the fucking dog shit they always they always say but it's like it's because 
from the mid nineties to now queer people were either dead or traumatized or were being born. So we're only now 30 years removed, finally at a state in our culture where we have queer people who are at a level of like cognitive development where they have personalities and where they have like their own bank accounts and shit. And, and, you know, I mean, this is not even to talk about like the like erasure of queer history within even the queer community. Like there's young, there's like little baby queers who don't even know the history, let alone straight people. But what's happened as well is that, you know, they call it, what is it called? Like uh, rainbow capitalism, right? It's like mm-hmm. the reason why queerness is so much more visible in, from a capitalist perspective, as I see it, is that they figured out how to monetize it. You know, they figured out how to be like, here, we're going to put some rainbows up at Target and that's going to make you shop here, you know? And so it's not about actually reforming systems. It's not about actually creating any kind of, you know, equitable demonstration of acceptance it's about like oh here's a new population that we can pull money from you know and it's very cynical and i'm i i i i've really grown to like internally kind of loathe the rainbow in a certain way because it's just like oh fuck off fuck off you know (laughs) i can't remember i read this but it's like you know you're not being represented you're being marketed to right Mm -hmm. and uh exactly it uh, there's two movies recently that i feel embody this um one is across the spider-verse Okay. If you've, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I haven't seen it yet. I, um, I haven't been to movie theaters in a long time. That's I just, fair. Yeah, yeah. The other one's that Barbie movie, actually, mm, that just came mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And neither of them, I think, are bad, right? Yeah. In the Spider-Verse movie, there's a punk. There's a spider punk. Gotcha, okay. And he spouts all this, like, anti-capitalist shit and rhetoric. And it's like... He, it's actually, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of, It seems like it's truly done. Like, he's like, he's wearing actual punk bands that are, like, not you know, like the clash of the Ramones, like the bands everyone knows and stuff like that. That sounds so fucking like hipstery of me, but <laughs> you're not you know, a real punk. You only know the Ramones, man. You know, clearly someone like list, like actually really gave a shit about how spider punk was like written and drawn. Right. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he's still in like a $400 billion Sony, like Spider-Man movie. Right. Yes, yes. And he's still the butt of a lot of jokes. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the Barbie movie has a lot of extremely, extremely, huge like anti-patriarchal and feminist messaging which Mm -hmm. is i think cool and a net positive but it's still like it's still a toy movie it's still mattel right like their logo's right there at the top so it's like Mm -hmm. and it's also very um heteronormative like there's there are queer elements but they're very like laced in there they're not up front right so it's like i'm like you know i don't know if it's a net positive or not that like these things are and a lot of people like just need again my partner who really liked the bar movie was had a really good point she was like um, a lot of people need it hammered out to them really basically, oh, right? Big time, big time. So, you know, overall to net positive that is there, but it's just, mm. we're just in such a clown world. It's like, man, like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's all fucked. You yeah. know, I do, I, you know, I, I think one of the problems I encounter these days is that like, I, I'm a really deep, I have a deep philosophical belief in incrementalism. Like I don't believe in like blast the system down and start from the rubble like that never does any good that leaves power vacuums that leaves for you know like that's that's never good is to just like implode but but incrementalism isn't sexy right because Mm -hmm. it means like oh you're only gonna get so far because we can only get as far as the furthest back person is willing to push you know and and so you know like things like barbie you know with these messages that sometimes people have never even considered so like if you're starting with their gauge way to the left and you want them all the way to the right, you're not, you're never going to do that in two hours. You're going to get them just like a little tick up, you know, Mm -hmm. and then a little tick further and a little tick further. And it's going to take generations. The problem that I, that we're seeing as, as I observe it is that like, we're also seeing the end of the planet coming much sooner than, than expected from some people. And also like right on time from what the scientists have been saying, but like, um, so it's like there's a desperation and there's a there's a real frantic energy coming out of this need to change, but there it's impossible to change everything overnight the way it has to. And so I just don't, you know, I don't I don't like slipping into genuine cynicism and genuine like d- d- defeat, but it doesn't feel like it is possible to change everything that needs to change uh meaningfully in the in the time that it needs to change you know so it's like something like barbie is a net positive if we had a longer timeline for for you know um i also have problems like uh, and i know i i recognize that it's from the position i'm in of being like a straight presenting white man is that um is that like 
it's easy for me to talk about incrementalism and um you know it's this idea of like when it talks about like culture issues and stuff like that when it's talking about like often i'm like well you know there's no there's like no gay marriage on a dead planet right (laughs) you know like or like there's no there's no culture war on a dead planet you know and so it's like Mm -hmm. i feel like we kind of get lost in the weeds of like these rights that are actually nebulous and sort of imaginary and you know financial strife and all these things where it's like all of it is real and feels real but at the same time too it's like there are bigger existential threats to the grander thing that we sort of lose sight of and i don't know i don't even know what point i try to raise when when raising that it's 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 just everything's fucked you know yeah yeah well and i mean because then the uh the, the more conspiracy minded part of my brain's like well you know if we're talking about this then we're not talking about the climate and whatnot right exactly because so, it's like i don't know it's very useful right yeah yeah well you know i saw i saw this crazy thing that was talking about you know you know the the like the submarine that imploded uh, a yes. month or two ago yeah, yeah and they were talking about how the moment it imploded everyone knew they knew they were dead instantly they they and like and like there was like a a, a, a big like u.s carrier nearby that heard the explosion and there was some other like government craft that heard the explosion like they all knew that moment they were dead but they still spent like millions of dollars on this like week long like countdown to how much air they have in there and they were like pretending to search for them and there was all this like bizarre like circus around it when they like they knew right then and there that they were all dead and so it's just like it's it's this really bizarre like what the fuck were they distracting us from you know and i i you know speaking of like conspiracy theories like like the whole sort of like conspiracy theory culture has gotten so less fun in the last oh, last God. last few decades right but it's like it really does feel like well what the fuck were they doing to distract us you know i think i remember something else happening that but then twitter was blowing up with that and then yeah. like i i totally fell for it like i was having nightmares imagining being stuck in like a metal tube in the oh. dark net like in the dark it was no lights in there right yeah, so like no, just none. You know, just waiting to die, basically. Oh, yeah. Like, well, and oh, they God. like they um but... the 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 breakdown of the actual event was horrifying, just absolutely horrifying. Like and like the way I saw it described was that like in their last moments, like they dropped, they like free fall, they free fell like half a mile, um, in total darkness with the only sound being like the like warning alarms going off that you know, and they could hear the like the the craft like cracking, and then in like less than a second they were atomized like they were literally just made into just like chemistry you know that's some, that's some warhammer 40k shit man that's really like... though like <laughs> yes like it was so it really watching that video breakdown actually really made me be like oh yeah no there were people there and like yes like the guy was totally like his hubris took him, them all down but it's like there were humans there and it's yeah. like there's a, there a kid on there there's like a, yeah. there's like an 18 year old wasn't yeah. there yeah. yeah yeah so it's just like ugh ugh it's all just icky you know? i had lots of like weird conversations like on the other end of it where i had a lot of my more quote unquote progressive friends who were posting like fuck these millionaires it's what they deserve and i'm like yeah. i mean you like you don't get extra points morality wise for like dancing these people are dead now and they died horribly i mean yeah yeah, they were like really privileged and whatever but like you don't get extra brownie points for being like i don't know maybe i'm just getting older but i'm just like it's just lame it's like come on i'm with you i'm with you entirely (laughs) i i i hate that attitude i hate that i don't i i do my best to not wish death on anyone and i know that again that comes from like uh, uh, a place of you know there's a type of privilege within that to not have to hold that kind of vigilance and and to have the ability to parse things out through a calm and safe place but it's like but i'm in that position so i don't need to like i don't need to be another angry white guy you know like there's mm-hmm. enough of those in the world you know like <laughs> I'm angry. I'm straight. Right. We got a podcast. Fuck, fuck, fuck yeah. Let me talk about Joe fucking Rogan. Um, you know what? We are way off track, though. I want to start. I want to double back on something because you know, as we mentioned, that um, you know, you have been on the show before, but um, you are such a multifaceted artist, and and you have your finger in so many different pies, and and I'd really love. Uh, for for any listener who may not be familiar with you, maybe they haven't checked out the episode, maybe they haven't, you know, they don't know who you are. So I I've started uh, opening interviews with a very blunt question of um, Nathan, who the fuck are you? 
<laughs> uh, that's the basis of so many years of therapy for me. Um, <laughs> that's a common answer. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, if, if I define it by what I do, like there's kind of three main things I'm like doing right now. One is um, I'm trying to be a journalist. That's kind of the new career thing I'm like pursuing. So uh, I've had some writing and some local um, stuff here in Calgary, uh, mostly with a magazine called the YY scene slash mm-hmm. the scene, which has been really cool. Um, and, uh, and I did an opinion piece for the escapist, which is like a video game magazine, which is like, I was super excited about, but yeah, yeah I saw you post it. That was awesome. Yeah, it was, it's fun. It's, I just love writing. I mean, mm-hmm. you can relate. Right. So, and mm-hmm. it's like, I was trying, I was like, <laughs> ruthlessly, I was like, how do I take that and make money out of it? Cause I was kind of like, I want to go back to school and I was like, well, I mean, it's, it's like an English degree or, or like journalism and honestly like journalism which is funny because journalism a lot of people would say it's dying i wouldn't agree with that but like Mm -hmm. a lot of people would say that but you can take that and and parlay it into communications or so many other like ways that unfortunately are very like financially incentivized or whatever you want to i was just like i that's the way we gotta like be right is like Mm -hmm. how do i uh how do i sell myself to like Mm -hmm. pay rent so Mm -hmm. uh that's a thing and then yeah um I'm in a band called Brain Bent. It's like a new wavy kind of post punk. It's like Devo. We, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we always uh, uh, do a capstone with it on. We just played Slut Island like a couple Fuck months yeah. ago. Hell yeah. Su- it was super fun with a band from Brooklyn called, uh, oh my God, uh, Olaf. Okay. Goose, no, Gustav. That's what they're called. They're very cool. And oh. we were laughing because our drummer's name is Gus. So, um, but yeah, and that's fun. We're like, we're recording right now. So that's, and we're hoping to go on tour around Canada next summer and spring when I'm done school. That's kind of the tentative plan. If, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've applied for any grants or anything, but like, oh, yeah. it's just like this waiting game of like, you write it and then you just like, you don't even, when you don't get it, you don't even hear from them half the time, no, right? Or, no, no. <laughs> they just, there's like the, like, there's like the form letter of like, oh, by the way, you know, that thing you waited six months for? Yeah, you didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's very, it's very, um, it's a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. built into like trying to uh, nicely ask for free money to like mm-hmm. do a thing that you like love artistically or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I don't really think of it in that terms when I'm doing it, but yep. to like take it further, we have to. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, is that and thing then, of, um, it, you know, it's the thing you're talking about with both these avenues is that it's like, you can hate capitalism and still accept that. Like it's, those are the rules like because oh, yeah. your choice is either like okay i go live off the grid and i die because i have no survival skills or i play the game and like that sucks yes but it is the game that w- it's the the deal we were dealt you know and so like you kind of gotta just play it as best you can you know yeah hey i live where i live and where i live exactly. they just raised rent by like 30 percent overall you're in vancouver you know the feel <laughs> Big time, big time. Yeah. Oh man, um, God, I just saw a really sad, like one-off little news segment recently about like it was a single dad who makes like sixty-five k a year and he lives in Vancouver and he can't find a place to live for him and his son. Yep, that's fucking insane. But yeah. no, it's fucked. It's completely fucked, and it's just gotten worse. Like I didn't realize when I got here it was bad, and and since then, like I've stayed in the same place, you know, a year and a half, oh, almost two years now, and um. And I didn't realize how bad it's gotten in even in the interim by by being off the market and not having to look, you know. And like my place is not cheap, but it's way cheaper than mm-hmm. I, I was kind of kicking the tires recently because I was like, maybe I'll move. Who knows? And I looked and I was like, oh, fuck, no, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm like, you know, the reason anyone lives in my shithole city is because it's affordable. And even that's going out the window. Like mm-hmm. I have friends looking at basement suites that are like two grand now yep. and whatnot. Right. Yep. In Calgary. Who wants to pay two grand to live in a basement suite in Calgary, right? Not a chance. Not a fucking chance. <laughs> like, yeah. we're very lucky. We'd probably be with my mom right now if we did. Like, we're in a very old house. Our landlord's not paying a mortgage on it. So, like, mm. there's it's just passive income for her. So, mm-hmm. whatever. But, Fuck yeah. yeah. And then my third thing is I've, uh, I have started a podcast called Last Gen Arcades. Um, my co-host is a guy named Will Cowan. He's really cool. Uh, he's – actually, no, he fucking sucks. If, you listen, if he's listening to this, you know – just know that the, the the ominosity is still there, but uh, or that's not the word. I enmity, enmity, whatever. <laughs> you know, the animosity, yeah, yeah, yeah. animosity, enmity. You know, yeah. I said ominosity, and that's like a yeah. metal band I was into in high school. So. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's like a look at retro video games. We do series where we like half of it is 
delving into like the uh, the developments of a, of a classic game, mm-hmm. which is really fun. And then the second half is we play it and we see how it holds up today. Fuck yeah. And lots of, we've modeled it on um, Wizard and the Bruiser, which is on yes. the last podcast network. So Fantastic lots of like, show. yeah, lots of foul humor and stuff. And like, I love, I do a lot of the research and writing and then Will does all the editing and then we both host it. And uh, we've been shifting towards having a guest at all times because the three person format's pretty awesome for that mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. for that kind of like discussion. Right. But it's really fun. And we're like just up to, I mean, episodes take a while to come out just because like we, I really hate shows that don't have any sort of like you mentioned joe rogan like i just feel like they're just chatting for like hours sure yeah you know and even like before we did today we had some ideas of what we wanted to hit like i love that i i hate shows that are just really meandering and just like totally right so we try yeah we try and like have it really researched and really outlined and really like edited and tight but as a result it, it takes i mean we aim for every two weeks but it's it's hard right <laughs> also will works like a million jobs and i'm in school so super fair is there um is there a game recently that that you played that like because i'm i'm i mean i'm a i obviously play video games currently but i like i was raised on them and so um you know old school gaming is like near and dear to my heart is there um a, a recent game that you played that like totally held up and you were like almost surprised by how good it still is yeah uh doom like the original mm-hmm. doom right which it's weird. I, uh, the our guest we had for that is this guy named Colin Munch, and he had a really good point where he was like, you know, when people say talk about their favorite food, they don't say sandwiches, right? It's like so mm-hmm. foundational, and Doom's kind of like that. Like, I don't think people don't think of it as like their favorite shooter or whatever, because it's like it created shooting games essentially. Yeah. Right? Well, they used to but not it, call them shooters; they used to call them Dune clones. Literally, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, man, it is still so fun like that's my bar with any sort of shooting game if you can't be as fun as that 30 year old goofy fucking heavy metal game yeah why do i care right and like (laughs) also it runs everywhere like i had i had it like you know i could probably get it on that zoom recorder i have sitting around i i I saw it we were running through funny ports of it and like it got ported to a pregnancy test at one point oh my god (laughs) i love it but you can like mod the shit out of it's great it's like so fun it's and it's so like pick up and play a level and then put it down like you don't have to because so many games are just so much talking and questing and cutscenes and all this shit now like yep. a lot of games really want to be tv shows now and i'm like yeah. why we got tv do something big else time. Right? big time <laughs> that's such an interesting dichotomy too because it's like there's this part of me that really i love a really resident story you know like i really love something like you know last of us obviously is held up there you know um you Red Dead Redemption. A, red, exactly, right? Yeah. Like, there's a couple where it's like, I, and I find myself playing for stories. Like, I find when I play these long open world, world games, as soon as I'm done the story, I'm done. You know, like, I don't end up going and finishing off maps and all that kind of shit. But at the same time, too, on the flip side, it's like, it does still have to be a fun game at mm-hmm. the core, you know? And it's like, if you're if the game isn't good, then I don't, why would I give a shit about, about these people, you know? I really love when any, not just games, like any media really plays to its medium. You know what I mean? Mm. So like, I'm not a fan of games that try and be TV shows. So like Red Dead Redemption 2 is a great example. Like it's these, all these amazingly acted and, and framed and there's like cinematography and lighting. Like it is a prestigious TV show that happens to be digital, but it's strung together by a bunch of gameplay. That's kind of whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, or like, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like TV shows that want to be movies now, right? Like mm-hmm. they're so so serialized that they're telling this huge 15 hour story, and it's like, no, <laughs> yeah, like I miss episodic stuff, right? Like it's, Big time. I don't know, like I like my favorite books, for example, like I don't see them being adapted strongly mm-hmm. as movies because they they're so well good as books or comics or whatever. Like there's so many different ways. And there's games that tell really strong stories, but in a very way, like in a way that's very unique to video games, I find, yes. right? Yeah. Um, a recent one we did was uh, Dark Souls. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, where in Dark Souls, like, there's no cutscenes or anything. Like, there's a story, but you're kind of finding out about it. Like, it's kind of like almost like you're like an archaeologist and it's like exploring the world and like reading things and just like environmental stuff, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of Bethesda games do this too. Like, mm-hmm. It's like in the placement of things in a shack you find in Fallout or whatever, right? Yes. Like, yeah, you 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 hack into a computer, you read, and you kind of read yeah. the backstory of what happened in that vault or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like so active because, like, as a player, like it's like games. That's like games and books are my favorite like like mediums for anything because mm. they're so active. Like, I feel like I'm a part of it because, like, with books, 
and any sort of writing like there's a lucid aspect on your end like you're, yeah, you're just hallucinating yeah literally it's like yeah. guided lucid, lucid dreaming right and with games like you're in it like you're in the driver's seat right so yeah yeah i love shit that really leans into that you know oh, i love that i love that too you know i i actually i listened to a podcast years ago that was talking about how the argument that they were raising was that video games were the progression of novels and that like that like the same kind of excitement that you used to get from reading like a new collection of short stories or something was now what you were getting from video games um, with like, with like TV and movies being their own separate thing, you know? Um, um, it's interesting because they're both like, how do I put it? It's like, they're not, cause they're all sort of within the same realm of like you, it's all you experiencing something, but like for some reason, books and video games still feel more personal than TV and movies. And I don't, I don't know what that tweak is. I don't know what the nuance is, but it, it's always felt more, more intimate or more personal, more one-on-one experiential than, than, you know, going to the movies or something like that. I think, I think it's, I totally agree. And I think it's because like, there's not really an audience aspect aside from you. Right. I mean, like, you know, Joe will sit and watch me play a video game, but like, you don't go to the theater and play it for like 30 strangers. Right. Yes. And with yeah. a book, like, unless, I mean, you know, there's the cool, you know, parents reading to their kids, that kind of thing, or, sure. or audiobooks, I guess. I don't, I don't really do audiobooks, but like, oh, you know, I could, them. yeah. And I could see that being a way of like sharing that with, you know, people who maybe don't read as much. I think that's amazing. Like it's this whole, it's, I've, I've met so many readers who were not readers until they figured out audiobooks. Right. Big time, big time. And also people with sensorial issues or whatever, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, you know, sitting on, on a, in a chair with a book or yeah, sitting at home as I probably will tonight, like with the lights out, playing a game, right? Like, yep. yeah, it's very, it's very intimate. It's very intimate. Yeah. Especially when you don't do the online thing and you don't get called, you know, racial slurs by 16 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't do big time. I don't do anything online. I couldn't give a fuck about online anything. I, um, I tried getting into, I went through, I've gone through two phases now of playing Fortnite and um and both times it's a very very well made game and it's really fun but like um yeah no microphones ever and uh (laughs) and and i do end up burning out on it pretty quick because it's just like oh it's just one thing you know i still have some long lasting like halo trauma from high school because like yeah like the halo games were huge when i was in high school and also, yeah, people threw around like, you know, the F slur, for example, way more, including probably myself. I'm really glad there's no sure. recordings of my uh, <laughs> me playing Zanzibar in, in Halo or whatever. Right. There was also that weird period where like the word gay was synonymous with stupid. Right. Yes. And like yeah. even when I was like 12, I didn't even understand why I just did. I didn't even mm-hmm. know what gay meant. So it was just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Oh, and the worst thing you could be called was a gay lord. That yeah. was like that was the oh, my God. I yeah. That was the start of my trauma, you know. So, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, you're you're in a, a really interesting kind of position for 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 this show because um, having been a guest already, um, you know, I've 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 posed a few of these questions to you before. And and so it's kind of a chance to kind of get a, a new take on it, and, and if things have been like kind of reappraised, you know. Um, yeah. And as we've talked about, you know, so much of the show centered around the question of what what is a good friend, what is even a friend, and 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 I'm curious, you know, since the last time you were on, has the question of what does it mean to be a friend um, changed for you, or or do you feel like it's stayed pretty steady? I think it totally has. Also. It's funny. I was just thinking about when I was on your show. Was my episode lost? You mentioned there's like a lost archive of your older shows. It might have been, yeah, because yeah. I think it was like the second season, or maybe it was late season one. And uh, yeah, was... I've taken all of that down. Yeah, yeah. But I remember because um, I remember like I had just gone through some traumatic like friend shit here in Calgary where we recorded, and I spent a good deal of that episode like shitting on a guy. Yes. Who like still lives in the same city as me and stuff. And then I remember like after recording, like walking my dog and being like. Oh man, is he gonna hear that? And being all like stressed about it and stuff sure. like that. Now I'm like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> if he finds it, whatever. And it's in some e grave now. But uh, exactly. Yeah, no, it's definitely shifted for me. I um, I uh, I was thinking about this. Like, I I feel like I used to, and for a long time, I defined friendship as like really showing up 
for people and supporting them in like tangible ways all the time, 24 seven, um, which is amazing, but also can be exhausting depending on how many mm-hmm. people you have in your life. Right. And, uh, also like when you're an artist, you kind of like, you kind of count the faces that keep showing up or whatever things you do or keep downloading or keep listening or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is really fucked up. Honestly, it's really kind of like, <laughs> it can be. Ins- yeah. incentivizing your friends, but also like, you know, thanks for coming. <laughs> Like I have this friend here in Calgary. I won't name him, but like, um, like he's a, he's a pretty fucked up guy in like a lot of ways. And I have a lot of friends who don't like him and I understand why they don't like him, but like motherfucker comes to all my band's shows and like, buys all our, like he shows so much support and like that means a lot to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's tangible, but I think like for me, it's shifted like that helps, but I think like in a weird way, like, I define friendship as like how much and in what light you think about someone. Mm. Cause like, actually I was thinking about you the other day because speaking of video games, I just got like a new Xbox. I got like an Xbox series S and uh, sorry. I had a ginger ale burp there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fallout four is on there. Nice. And like one of our first conversations ever as friends was because Fallout four had just come out and we were between uh, we were, it was while like act one of a play was it was, you know, you and I had time to hang out in the lobby of that theater we worked in. Yep. And we were just talking about Fallout. I remember. Yeah. That's like one of my first memories of doing anything friendly with you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that conversation. I remember that well. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah. And I was like, you know, and this was like yesterday. Like we had planned mm-hmm. this recording, you know. So, I mean, you were already in my head, but like I would have like that's like stuck with me. And like even just the fact that like I think about that, I think is like and it's it's a very positive, like lovely memory for me to me and like I not to get too woo 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 but I feel like you can feel it even yeah. if a friend isn't like maybe you haven't talked to them in a couple of weeks or whatever like on messenger or whatever right but like I feel like when there is that like sort of the, the, the like you're always in each other's thoughts in a positive way mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I feel like you can feel that I don't know and I feel like I've gotten better at sensing when I'm not and then knowing when to like move on right yes yes um but yeah, like, cause yeah, like tangible support's cool. But I mean, you know, you and I live in different provinces. It's hard to like. Yeah, you you can't you show a, up for me. Yeah. Yeah, if you do a poetry reading or I'm doing a show or something, right? Like, it's <laughs> it's tough. But like, you know, like we're in each other's thoughts, and we do chat, and we, you know, like I don't know. To me, that's a really cool, beautiful kind of friendship, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's been the big shift. Is like, yeah, like supporting people's cool, but also like the older you get, the more just time becomes a premium, man. Like yes. it's just it's hard. Like yeah. it's. Well, I have so many, like, there's so many, sorry, I didn't no, no, cut please. you off. No, no, like, no, no, no. I have so many, like, people I know who I just think are so cool, and I would super love to, like, be better friends with them, and, you know, and they're doing such cool shit, but I'm also like, man, I don't have the spoons, right? Like, honestly, when I navigate, like, my time and, like, things I do for my wellness and whatever, it's like, yeah, and, and knowing that that's okay, too. Like, a friendship can be here instead of here. Kind of thing, right? I just did a hand motion. It's a podcast. You can't fucking see me, but I love it. I love it. But that's exactly that's exactly right. That that's it right there. That's what I was gonna say was that it's like to me, it's not about quantity. To me, it's about someone respecting their capacity and only giving when they can. Um, I think you know, I'm somebody who in the past and and I I mean I continue, this is something I'm addressing in my behavior to this day is that I'll overgive and then I'll burn out and then I will that will make me resent the person you know mm-hmm. and then I'll be blaming them for choices I made and like that's not okay for any of us you know and so it's like I have a much deeper respect for people who hold their own capacity as the the, the central tenet of everything you know and if you can only show up once every six months I'd way rather that than you showing up every six days and hating me for it you know yeah. um um yeah no i have a much deeper respect for 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 quality over quantity uh, every time at this point i love that that's a really good way of putting it you know like i have uh, i have a friend named lucas who we've been friends for like 20 something years and we'll go months without talking sometimes yeah. you know and then shit he might be coming over tonight for dinner i don't know exactly like, we just kind of fall in and out of touch but like yeah. it's always there and i always know like we're never far from each other's thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And also, like if the shit really hit the fan, like you know, we would be there, just like I would for you know you or anyone else I'm cl- I feel close with in that way, right? Literally, but, you know, when you're just living your lives, like yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you're on cruise control. So I'm in school right now, so I I only mm-hmm. have so much time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people who don't, 
uh, people make you feel shitty for that. I don't know, man. It's, 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 it gets exhausting. I'm just like, yep. I don't, you know, Joe was supposed to have, um, or it was, she was supposed to, I'm trying to remember the, the, it was this friend that had asked to hang out with her one-on-one. -on -one, and then her friend was like, why would you do a double date? And then Joe asked me and I was like, well, I work on Saturdays now, so I don't really want to go out on Friday because mm -hmm. I'm going to want to stay out and then I feel like shit, you know? Yep. And then this friend was like super disappointed about that. Mm. And uh, there wasn't like a guilt trip there, but you know, there was this like externalization of the disappointment and Joe, who's very empathetic, like instantly picked up on it and felt really bad. And I'm like, mm -hmm. literally there's no reason to feel bad. We're all like 30 something. Like what? We got shit going on. <laughs> I got to work. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. that's been something for me too to navigate is that like my new job, you know, is Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. So Damn. it's like, it's like, and it's the best job I've ever had. I love it. It's not going you anywhere, work? you know? Okay. What it's, do you do? I guess it's, it's remote work. It's remote work, and I'm I'm a digital instructor. So I do cool. the thing is that the 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 head office is in Ontario. So all the all the programs are built off of Eastern Standard Time. This is my uh, dream. I want yeah. to work remotely so bad. It, it, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's going nowhere so long as they'll have me. You know, I love it so much. But it is it's rough. It, uh, the hours are rough. You know, and that doesn't leave me a lot of capacity for 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 you know for friends for dating for anything like that. Um, and so I'm, and I'm okay with that, but it's like, it's figuring out ways to communicate that with, especially with new people, you know, like trying to date, trying to get new people in my life and being like, look, I don't have the capacity for like seeing you all the time. Like, this is going to be like a once every couple weeks thing. And we're just going to go real slow, you know? And, yeah. and, and that's not because I don't like you. It's because I have priorities that I have to focus on first. And, and some people take that in stride and some people take that as an insult. And I can't control how people take that on. I can just hold my boundaries and say, well, that is that is what it is. It's not me being cruel. It's not me being cold. It's me taking care of myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something I had to really learn is that, like, boundaries are actually an act of love. They're not an act of opposition or punishment. They're, they're saying, this is how I can show up best for you is if you play within these parameters you know i think you literally said that to me when i was in vancouver and like i stuck with i still remember that like that stuck with me because i love that i really struggle with that i uh i didn't have a lot of friends when i was a kid that was bullied a lot and shit and so i i have this problem where i'll yeah over committing like i'll just like i get really afraid of being alone mm -hmm. and so i will like hold on to friendships that are really not serving me well past yep. their expiration date because i don't want to the thought of being by myself terrifies me big time um, Honestly, the pandemic was really good for that. And, and for me, like I learned a lot. I learned, I really learned how to be alone yeah. and be really happy alone. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, even like navigating, like, like Joe and I have been navigating ways of like purposefully inserting some distance in our relationship. Like, you know, like she's been accepting work like in Edmonton. So like, I'll have, mm -hmm. I'll be alone in the house for myself for a couple of days or whatever. Right. Like, mm -hmm. which has been really like, it sounds weird, but like really is awesome. Like for a long term. I, not even just romantic relationship. I, you know, it loops right back to like not talking to a friend for a while. Cause then it's like, you got so much more to talk about. Right. Like Exactly. We got to make an hour of content here, friend. How the fuck are we going to do that? Literally. <laughs> like if I already know everything, I'm not going to think to yeah. ask it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's, it's uh yeah. But yeah, I was really afraid of like being alone for like so long. And on some level I still subconsciously do, mm. but I also really crave it now a lot more than I used to, which I think is mm -hmm. progress for me at Big least. Time. Big time. Yeah. You know, that actually leads me into, you know, I've been introducing this new seg kind of segment of questions that um, that has been centered around this idea of community. You know, it's, it's it's something you hear often about is this idea of like being in community or who's your community, chosen community, all, you know, all the terms. And 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 again, it comes back to the these questions of like, it's a very, it's obviously very easily defined word. But then I feel like internally, it's a very nebulous word. You know, for me, it can mean so many different things. And so uh, I'm really curious when you hear the word community, what 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 would you define a community as? Oh, man, like I shit. Good question. But like, so I'm like learning how to interview right now. And they're like open ended questions. So that's like such a great that's like the most open ended question, right? Um, I worry sometimes I make too broad a question. Of no, like, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> I love it for me. Like, I, I feel like community is this is like this inherently human and as a result, inherently very anti-capitalist concept, because I don't think capitalism is is computable with being a human. That's nope. right. But like, I mean, so many of the aspects of like community from like mutual aids 
to like bonding over a thing that you already own to like uh, being there for people instead of having to rely on nebulous taxpayer funded things. Like these are things that go against the buy and sell and like dog eat dog individualistic sort of mindset that we're like forced into. Like one of the most interesting things I think about the pandemic was we were all asked here in the West, at least to do this extremely like communal thing, like stay home for the greater good. Right. But at the same time, we were expected to adhere to this. Like you got to pay your rent, got to fucking got to go buy groceries. Right. Mm -hmm. So like for me, like there was no pandemic. I worked through the whole thing. Same. And I worked around a lot of people who did not give a shit about wearing masks, did not give a shit about whatever. Cause I worked in construction. So somehow I was an essential worker. I'm not essential. I put lights up for rich fucking assholes. Right. I don't, (laughs) but like, um, yeah, like community really excites me because to me, like true community, whether it's, whether it's, you know, your block or your Dune fan club or your whatever, your podcast, like is so against the grain of, of this like depressing, like capitalist hellscape. I get really nihilistic too, but then like genuine communities really excite me really. Yeah. You know, I was recently, um, I'm jumping all over the place with this no, big question, yeah. right? Jump in. I was recently in uh, New York. I went to New York back in May mm-hmm. and um, we really wanted to see a drag show because mm. uh, Joanna loves drag and you know, like we're both queer and it was just important to us and like Stonewall's there. Right. Fuck yeah. We wound up going to this, uh, this drag bar in Brooklyn called come on everybody, which is an awesome name. <laughs> and it was this, this grungy, it was like a Sunday night and there was like maybe eight people there. But you could tell that they're there every fucking Sunday, you know, and it was, it was such a cool, and they were, the minute they, the, the host, um, she's a drag queen. I can't remember her name. She was on, uh, Dragula, which is like a horror RuPaul's drag race. Fuck yeah. But she was like, we got internationals in the house. Like when they heard that we're Canadian. Right. And like, they were so welcoming to us. And like, instantly I felt like I was kind of afraid to go. It's a sure. new bar in a new city at like 2 a.m., right? Like New York, baby. Yeah. New York. But like they just, I felt so at home. And so like, I was like, yeah, I'd be here every fucking week too, right? Mm-hmm. And and that would be really empowering because like I'd, I wouldn't feel the need to like fill that void with, you know, I don't know, another Netflix subscription or some shit. I don't sure. know. Like just, it's just so against, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like it's just, I do. I really feel like um, actual awesome communities like go against this just mindless consumption, which well, I think is awesome, right? You know, it's it's um it's why people go to church, you know? Yeah. People, you're right, yes. like we are a communal beast, right? It's it's like at the heart of it, it's not the dogma, it's the community, you know, it's people and it and it's why people fight as hard as they do for the beliefs they have because they think that they're protecting their community, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of the elements in, in so many of these conversations, these culture conversations that I get so frustrated in is that both sides invariably and very impulsively dehumanize the other side and don't realize that like they're what they're arguing for is for the protection of their community you don't have you don't you don't agree with it and you're right a lot of the times it endangers other communities there's violence there's like these are not i'm not saying and everyone's valid and everybody has a voice like that's not what i'm raising but it's like behind every argument is i feel in danger and i feel like my community's in danger so i'm fighting to protect it and 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 the sooner we can realize that it's all people you know yeah and it's not like good people and monsters you know like it's it's like the 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 easier it is to sort of find bridges and to find connective tissue you know um again it comes back to that thing of like the iteration it's the increments you know like you don't have to suddenly become best friends with some maga guy but it's like that maga guy isn't an inhuman beast he's just a guy who has you know a community that he thinks he's fighting for you know um i don't agree whatsoever with the guy but that doesn't make him inhuman you know yep oh you're speaking my language it's you know and like we have way more in common with those folks than like you know i don't know you and i would have in common with like jeff bezos or some shit right like that's the thing too is like it just keeps us divided Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's such a that's like a bumper sticker but like really like it it you know the more we get at each other's throats communally like the less we see the bigger picture and the less we like know that power it's also interesting too though because like yeah like i really feel like the human brain is still wired for like village living right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like even the idea of like having a kid um 
Joe and I are a cis presenting couple. So we get this question all the time. When are you having kids? Right. Mm-hmm. We don't really want kids. And part of the reason is like, when you go back in history, like raising a kid was a very communal thing. It was like a thing mm-hmm. a village did. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. and now like, like the parameters have shifted so much and the expectation on us financially has shifted so much that mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know how you do it without a massive support system. Right. Like my yeah. mom, you know, like my mom divorced my dad and fell back on her family and her grandfather and stuff mm-hmm. to help raise me, which was amazing. Like, of, mm-hmm. like, of course she, but like a lot of people would look down on her for that. Cause she couldn't like hoist her fucking bootstraps. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same yeah. brain. Um, but yeah. And it's, I mean, that's the other, I think that's the toxic side of community too, is yeah. Like we have these like phones and computers and it like it, we have access to like too many communities and too many points of view. And like, I know I really pride myself on how little some people know about me. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I know way too much about other people's personal lives. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, people I've like met at a party like three years ago on Instagram. And I'm like, why, why do I know why everything do, about you? Yeah. I'm like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always care. call it, um, I always call it like, we're all alone together, you know, oh, because yeah. it's like, cause it's like, it makes us feel unified, but really we're all just alone because I'm not with you. When I look at your photo or I look at your tweet or whatever it is I see, I'm not with you. I'm, I'm alone in my room and you're alone in your room. We're not communicating. This mm-hmm. isn't an interaction as our bodies understand it. You know, it's, it's this really weird thing that our, our nervous systems are not attuned to and can't attune to. Um, and it's become so ubiquitous in our daily life that it's like, you know, I think especially post pandemic, but obviously beforehand is that it's like, it's so pervasive to our, our entire daily lives that like, we're just in a constant state of just, just regulation because like we're, we're forced to play within these machines that are not good for our bodies. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, I just thought of a, like, I guess a counter question on this because I love this community conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire away. Do you feel, do you feel like com- communities get stronger when they're smaller or larger, or is it like not black and white? Like I, because uh, I have some I, thoughts on that. I love that question. I love yeah. that question, and that's something I think about all the time. I was actually we uh, in a in a previous episode just recently. Um, um, I I uh, we kind of dive into that, and I I I'm of two minds because I actually um, you know I think the culture as a grand conversation has been pushing for inclusivity. And I think that the spirit of that is good, but I think that we're as a monkey brain, not wired for too many connections. I think that, I think that inevitably the individual is actually better served in smaller circles. And I think that's why we're always so anxious because we're on Twitter networks. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram where we're, some people have hundreds and thousands of followers and so we're just staring at strangers, you know, and and as soon as you hit the capacity for connective, you know, uh, recognition, everyone becomes an enemy because you become a stranger face, you know. And so I, I think internally we're much stronger in smaller communities. And I, I'm I, I've been on this for a couple of years now of like, I think exclusivity is kind of the next like punk rock of like, mm. actually, no, this is for no one. This is for just us and like not even sharing it online, not even like not even pushing for, you know, I'm going to write a book and I'm not going to publish it or I'm going to write a, you know, like Wu-Tang, like recording that album and selling one copy, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like that's the kind of shit that I, I, I'm i kind of interested in. Like, I mean, maybe that's a bit of a funny stretch example, but it's like, um, you know, it's just the idea of like small networks, you know, not trying to become these global, you know, um, I think the idea of massive followings has been really destructive to the psyche of the artist because they don't see themselves as successful unless they sell x amount of albums or x amount of books or whatever and it's like no you wrote a fucking book you're successful done end of story fuck finances you know um um like like just get a job it's fine it's fine to have a job and be an artist that's okay you know Mm -hmm. um and and so yeah i i believe in smaller networks um and smaller communities maybe also because inside i'm very similar to you where like i'd never really had a lot of friends growing up and i never really learned how to keep friends and so i feel instinctively safer around smaller groups you know Um, because it's what i'm more used to right well there's more of like an honestness and like honestly like 
it's just more interesting kind mm-hmm. of when the more niche it gets right because mm-hmm. yeah like as things I, I like to look at this through the lens of like nerd communities because it's totally. kind of safe to like analyze it because it's not really a social issue type thing right but like two things that i really um enjoy like that are quote-unquote nerdy mm-hmm. like um dune i mentioned already the the book by frank mm-hmm. herbert and then yeah the dark souls games but the whole like from soft that like souls born community right mm-hmm. both of those like nerd those are both pretty niche and like in their own little dark dank fucking online corners of like reddit or whatever for like a while right and it was kind of this cool shorthand of like i don't know i'd be like at a party and someone mentions like you know uh like a, a boss from dark souls and i'm yeah. like yo right like there's like an instant connection there right but with uh dark souls a game called elden ring recently came out Yes. And it was like the most massive, huge, fucking successful thing. And it brought in like so many new players. And then with Dune, the movies are coming out now and they're like huge blockbusters. So now there's a huge influx of fans who have seen the movies and they think they're like a cool sci-fi thing and whatever. Right. And like ultimately, like for the artists, I think it's a good thing because they're getting way more like exposure. But these communities are like fracturing now. Mm-hmm. And this happened with Star Wars like fucking decades ago, right? Yes, like, yes. Yep. And it just keeps ha- – Star Wars is fat. That would be like a fucking university paper, like that oh, big discourse because like it keeps cascading through the generations because now it's like a 50-year-old thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just safer to like analyze it. I fi- Like you, when you apply this thought to like drag communities or queer cultures or whatever, right? People get a lot more heated, I find. Yeah. Not that nerds well, because, aren't heated. But well, it's because it's people, right? It's di- the difference is that it's like you're talking about a person's culture versus a piece of culture. Sure. You know, um, yeah. uh, I always equate. I, I, I have I've yet to fully crack the thought, but I had this flash inspiration about Star Wars a few years ago that I've continued to pick at where I think Star Wars is the current equivalent to like Catholicism. In that it's like, cool. in that it's yeah. like you, 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 you're raised in it as a child. You're inundated as a child. It's all like big black and white, good evil melodrama, and then you sort of lose your faith as you grow up, um, and then and then like you sometimes come back to it out of guilt. But then the people who have maintained it, who have stayed really in it as adults, have like completely ruined it and oh, made it really yeah. aggressive and really really vitriolic and violent and you know like i say like i i haven't quite cracked it but there's something in there there's a thought in there that i'm trying to pick at still when you write that poem please send it my way exactly exactly <laughs> I, yeah yeah like i even i yeah and i just noticed like the, it's this weird thing where it's like both things at once like it's really cool that all these new people are getting to this into this art form it's also i understand missing your small weirdo little community right exactly so so i've been getting into like really nerdy fantasy books because it's like it's kind of in my mind the last true nerdy like sphere Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. like all these you know like brandon sanderson books or whatever like that are i don't i don't read him but that's just an example right Mm -hmm. like of uh you know like there's no hbo miniseries there's no coffee mugs with their logos on it there's Mm -hmm. no like it's not it's genuinely dorky and like very in its own and there's like you know, globally, maybe a couple million readers if sure. you're like really lucky and optimistic. But, and then, yeah, like I noticed this a lot. <clears throat> I was talking about drag, right? Where I'm like, yeah, there's something there. I don't know what the answer is. Cause I understand, like, I think it's really cool that people from all these different backgrounds are getting more and more into drag performance. But at the same time, I understand the gay men who miss having their gay men community. Right. Mm -hmm. Without, Mm -hmm. you know, AFAB folks or or trans folks or whatever there. And that's not a I'm not saying that like in a way where I agree with like trans exclusion or whatever, because fuck that. But like Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, yeah, I understand like missing. Like you said, I think it's the monkey brain. It's like the I miss when it was just the five of us. And, you know, it was like a a safe space almost. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's yeah. just it. Like, safe spaces aren't so that everyone can be safe in them. Safe spaces are so that the people who created that space are safe within it because yeah. they're not safe as well. And so they don't actually owe anyone else anything. Like, that is their safe space. And they don't owe even people who are a part of their community. They don't owe that safety to, you know, mm-hmm. like that's not for them. And 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 that's a really hard nuance to play within, especially within marginalized communities, you know, um, to like impose those kinds of boundaries on people who are looking for safety is really hard. Um, and I don't think that I, I, I know I haven't seen anyone myself included stick that landing, you know, but, but I think it is a worthy endeavor, you know, to yep. keep working on, you know, 
to use like a tech parlance because I'm working within it now to like niche down, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like just keep on finding the smaller fractions, right? But we'll loop back to that. Don't worry. What do you like for you? Like, what do you, um, what's one of the most relatable portrayals of friendship? Like in a piece, like in a movie or a book or a, or a podcast or whatever for you? Oh my God. What a great question. Um, I I, asked this because I've been watching reruns of Seinfeld recently. mm, Right. And like reflecting on the friendship those characters have. Right. Which is like very interesting because it was so different from the, the Kumbaya shit that like, you know, friends or cheers sold. Right. Totally. And in a way, like in a depressing way, I found it very relatable because I was like, yeah, especially when I was younger, I'm like, yeah, I was, I would just kind of hang out with my friends and judge other people and bitch about my life. Totally. Those are some of my best friends in the world, right? And you kind of <laughs> almost wonder, I, I do sometimes wonder like how they're friends other than through their sort of share, shared hatred, which I guess is a way to build a community, you know? But like, mm-hmm. there are moments where I'm like, how are you even friends with each other? You know, like it doesn't yeah. always click for me. But I think for me, I mean, you know, the go-to one would be the Hobbits, would be the four Hobbits, would be oh. would be Sam and Frodo and then Mary and Pippin. I think, I think as two couples and then also as a foursome i think are are really a beautiful demonstration of not only like you know intimacy and vulnerability but also like the ability to be there in play and then in need you know like they're they're there to fuck around with fireworks but they're also there to have each other's backs and you know and so like i think that i think um i always come back to the hobbits as like a very genuine portrayal of of a kind of masculinity that i really wish was more common you know of, i was like, gonna say that that know? says a lot about you and like how yeah. you feel about intimacy yeah cause... like touch each other's face you know like yeah. cry a little cry a little wipe away your your boyfriend's tears you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> i love that shit right cry in front of your friends in general you know like fuck yeah, yeah right my it's a weird one but uh, like for me honestly and like i Catch me drunk at a party sometime and I'll go off about this. But mm. the trailer park boys, mm. hear me out. Like that whole show is one of the most progressive pieces of like masculine media, in my opinion, ever. And no yeah. one ever gives it its due. You know, I've way. never gotten deep enough into it, but I am familiar enough with it that like whenever I would watch it, I was like, oh, no, this actually is like this laps. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, the, I mean, the, the main three, the trailer park boys, like J- Ricky, Julian Bubbles, like they were hugging each other and saying, I love you. And it was not, there's no laugh track. There's no nothing in like 2002 on a network television show. Right. There's like queer and polyamorous characters in the community. No one shames them for that. There's no like weirdness Mm -hmm. around that. Right. There's, there's a lot of other like shade thrown at each other and there's a lot of really crass humor, but it's like, there is this undercurrent of like warmth Mm -hmm. That that contrasts really beautiful. I think it's a brilliant show, and mm. people think I'm like joking when I say that. I'm like, no, no, no. I think it's like honestly, at least before Netflix bought it, but like sure. its original run on on Showcase and like that you would just catch on TV sometimes was so revolutionary. Mm. And for me, also, yeah, like because at the same time, you had sitcoms like Scrubs, for example, mm-hmm. where like the main character is like half the jokes are about how he's gay because he like. Yeah hangs out with his male best friend too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so dated. It's mm-hmm. just, especially now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like, it's just, yeah. Cause the, I love that. Like the warmth, especially between like men. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. Like I, I, you ever, you ever had someone be like, no homo, but you look really good. Yeah. And like, okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like I do look good. Thank you. Right. But exactly. Exactly. Why did you like, need to add that? Exactly. It's like, I mean, like just, it, like yeah i fucking hate that caveat so goddamn much i i just like no like yes homo more homo actually yeah you know? <laughs> yeah it's but yeah i yeah lord of the rings is is just beautiful mm-hmm. god aragorn the way mm-hmm. he treats everyone around him mm-hmm. right men yeah. and women mm-hmm. mostly men it's, it's well yeah women, but <laughs> isn't there like there's like two women in the whole book so it's like well, you the, know. The movies really amped it because Arwen's yeah. barely in the mo- in the books, right? Like, uh, yeah, she's like in the appendices or something, right? You know, yeah. it's mostly it's mostly Eowyn is mostly yeah. the and she's awesome. Eowyn's yeah. tight, but I um I think the other one that I would say the one that just popped into my brain would be Troy and Abed from Community. I think oh, um, yeah. I think because they like I think what I really love about them is that like when they came together, they kind of didn't like each other. Like you watch them in season one, and they're both kind of like standoffish, but then they start finding you literally can watch them 
find stuff that they like together and mm-hmm. that friendship grow and then the way they like allow each other to just be who they are like like troy doesn't change abed abed doesn't change troy they just find stuff they like and they allow each other to just be who they are and like yeah. when they're when they like stuff together they love it and when they don't like stuff together they let each other do that thing you know um and I, re- I just really value that one totally i haven't seen community it's on my mm. god i want i i know i'll love it it's it's, it's my number it's one. Some, it's of all the like of all the like nebulous sitcom it's my number one all timer. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's like it's so many people that I like respect, love it, and has so many artists involved that I like. I know I'll I know I'll get obsessed, but mm-hmm. like a recent one, did you see that Dungeons and Dragons? You said you're not going to the movies a lot, but there's I haven't a Dungeons- seen it yet. I want to watch it, but I haven't seen it yet. So it's very good. And there's a uh there's a bard played by Chris Pine, and there's yes. a barbarian played by Michelle Rodriguez. Love it. And they are like such close friends. And it's like, it, it's such a great middle ground because a lot of people do the, the mask and femme friendship and they avoid all romantic tension. Mm-hmm. Right. And then of course the, the norm for years was eventually they'll wind up together. Right. Yeah. But they do this really great. Cause to me, neither of those is realistic. Cause like, I don't know, you get drunk at a party and sometimes you just flirt and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. I don't know. Yeah. And that like aspect is really well represented with the two of them. But then also like they're very tender with each other in a very platonic way. Hmm. Like at one point um, I was watching it. It was one of the first movies I've seen by myself in a while. Like I, hmm. I, I got off work early one day and I was like, I'm going to go see this movie I want to see. And uh, like she breaks up with a character that she was like married to. And then afterwards, she's like extremely sad. And Chris Pine's bard just sings her a song. Hmm. And I was and it's just played straight. And it just like happens. And I was like, man, like. In a Marvel movie or something, there'd be a joke here. There'd be some like bathos, but this was, it was just very genuine and sweet. Mm. And like, there was like flirty moments, but it was just fun. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't implying anything and they don't wind up together. They're just, Mm -hmm. they're just old friends that are. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to keep my eye out more for this because I Mm. like, it's good. Good job, me. Good question. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I love it, and I just, yeah, I think, I think, you know, the idea of, I mean, it's one of the central questions of the show is this idea of like friend intimacies, and like, you know, I'm always on about like touch of friends. I'm always on about like, you know, like platonic intimacy. I think is a really, really valid and really lost art of like, well, I can't get close to them because then we'll fuck. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. you could just be really vulnerable and intimate with somebody, and like, and yeah, maybe you'll kiss, cool, but like cross that bridge when you do and navigate that and negotiate that, you know, like you can also fuck your friends if you want to, it doesn't have to suddenly escalate into something, you know, like there's lots of options here. It doesn't have to be on this like heteronormative escalator of like, well, we kiss. So now we have to fuck. So now we have to move in together. So now we have to get married. So now we have to have kids. Like, no, you could just like be cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like people just want to like collect so many labels for themselves, including yeah. with their relationships and their friendships. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is even like, yeah, this is my fuck buddy and this is my mm-hmm. <clears throat> best friend and this is my work call. It's like, I don't know. It's all just, it's it's all a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. It's all just people. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck, Nathan, um, we could talk forever and this is the best part about you and this is why I just love you so goddamn much is that like, yeah, we oh, could not too, talk for, you know, we could not talk for six months and then suddenly it's just like, oh yeah, it's an hour just goes back in a, just a breeze, you know? I love it. But um, but uh, I do want to I do need to wrap up here. But I want to I want to first I've got I've got two little questions for you. One is, you know, as as always, I love to leave my listeners with a little bit of like an actionable thing that they could try out this week. And so I'm wondering if you have one thing that people could try this week to be a better friend to, you know, themselves, to their community, to the people around them. Uh, yeah, mine's a double barrel. It's kind of two in one. Um, and relates to what I was saying about how I feel about friendship. Uh, I think it'd be really cool if, you know, <clears throat> on the one hand, if you have a friend that maybe you haven't seen or been around a lot lately, just, or maybe it is a friend you are around a lot, but you know, um, find something they're doing and, and support it in some mm-hmm. way. If they're in a band, go see their band. Or, you know, if they're uh, writing online, go read an article, give it a click, whatever, just some way. And you don't have to tell them you'll do that, but do that. So I think, I think that's important. But on the other side, if someone doesn't show up for you and there's that twinge of like disappointment, forgive them. Just, just, yeah. just in that, you don't have to forgive them for everything, but just for that, just be like, you know what? They're probably busy and that doesn't speak to our friendship. Right. And just, I, I think the duality of that, I think says a lot about how you feel about, about the people. Right. And obviously, I mean, 
don't let yourself get taken advantage of in either way. But yeah, I think show up for someone and then forgive someone for not showing up for you. Cause mm. that's the reality. We all do that. Mm-hmm. We're all going to do that. Right. Yeah. Grace is a really big thing that I've been on a lot recently is this idea of like, give people grace, you know, yeah. um, and try to be like you say, don't, you don't have to get run over. You don't have to be steamrolled, but like give people, yeah. Give people the grace and the understanding that they have lives too. And they are complex beings. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I just, I, I adore you. I, I just think the absolute world of you, man. Um, um, is there, um, this episode is going to not going to be out for a little bit. So I don't know, is there anything you want to plug or is there anywhere that, um, you'd like listeners to find you anything they want you, you want them to follow you on? I love you too, man. I adore you too. I love, ah, love it. I just love chatting with you. Um, do you know when about this will be out? Roughly uh, or I don't. I don't. Okay. It'll be is sometime in October. Okay. Well, if you just search my name, um, some stuff I've written, it, it goes online too. Uh, again, I'm just doing freelance writing right now while I'm in school. But yeah, if you could like click any anything where you see, like I've done some writing for the scene for the AMPA here in here in uh, Alberta. Um, turns out there's a lot of print magazines here, which is pretty mm, cool. But they're mostly yeah. in Edmonton. <laughs> Fair. Um. Yeah. And yeah, the band and the podcast really, but you know, if they're not, they're both kind of weird. If they're not your thing, I get it. But you know, also I always say with the podcast, like it's about games, but it's really just us. Uh, it's uh, a lot of people listen who don't play video games and just have a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, doing the, doing the parasocial podcast hangout thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, just give it a whirl. I think, I think you think you'll enjoy it, but yeah. yeah, those are kind of my three major things right now. Awesome. Well, that's going to be all in the show notes. Um, yeah. I, I One more time, thank you so much for coming on the show. I love you. And I, I hope you have just the best fucking evening. Bye, James. <laughs> And that's it. Thank you one more time to Nathan for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up with him and chat. And I hope I get a chance to see him soon. If you like the show, please be sure to give it a five-star review anywhere you listened. It's free and it helps me out so much. And if you want more Friendless content, be sure to sign up for the Friendless Substack. It's a weekly update of all things going on in my life. I've started doing these top 10 good things that happened this week list that are a ton of fun, as well as giving music recommendations. And I give a deep dive into one thing that I've been hyper fixated on that week. All that and so much more. It's a ton of fun. Sign up in the show notes. It's free. And I think you're going to love it. But that's it for me. So let's just wrap this up here. I hope to see you back here next week, but I'm not going to worry about that right now. And neither should you, because that is then. And this is now. So for now, all I'm going to say is I love you and I wish you well. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>